invite the Lord before we open his word. Dear Father in heaven, we turn to thee now as children of thine, as those that are dependent. Just as earthly children are dependent on their parents for everything, for food and clothing and shelter, for knowledge of the world, for understanding, oh dear Father, we are helpless children. But we are helpless children turning to a loving, all-powerful Father, a Father in heaven who delights to give his children good gifts. And dear Father, we know thou hast given the greatest gift, thyself, in Jesus Christ, thy Son, thy only begotten Son. Dear Father, we delight in him and we lift him up. We ask that he would be praised and adored in truth this morning hour as we open this word, as we read of him. Meet our needs, dear Father. We cannot, we do not have the ability, the capability, but we know as we depend on thee, thine is the power, thine is the light. Whence understanding grows, whence knowledge and, 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 and power and freedom we want to bask in that light, that unfading, unchanging light this morning. Help us, dear Father, to do that, to turn our faces towards the light and have that light shine into the depths through us, completely in us, and bring freedom and clarity. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like to turn with the Lord's help to the Gospel of John, chapter 18. John, chapter 18. Starting with the 28th verse, verse 28 of John chapter 18, and then continuing into chapter 19, a portion. John 18, verse 28. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early. And they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not have delivered him unto, uh, up unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, what is truth? 
And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold, the man. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard, therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and a power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king! But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him, on either side one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the King of the Jews, but that he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. I've read to verse 22 in chapter 19. May God bless the reading of his word. The Lord is worthy that we bow before him in prayer. (laughs) 
Loving Father in heaven, we come before thy throne of grace and mercy and truth and holiness. You are the only one and true God, yet revealed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. O oh Lord, we come to a very, perhaps one of the most important chapters in the Bible, the fulfillment of all the prophecies that were given throughout your holy book, the Bible, from the very third chapter of Genesis to the time that it happened, that there would come a seed of the woman that will be the one that would crush the head of Satan, the one that would once and for all do away with sin and make one that comes to you perfect, that would take away sin, not temporarily, not in a way that we'd have to come back again and sacrifice. But by the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, that he would lay down his life freely for us on the cruel cross of Calvary, as we've read this morning. Oh Lord, we, we often forget because we are so busy in our lives that we often forget the, the greatest story ever told and the greatest chapter in the story ever told. His crucifixion followed by his resurrection. Oh Lord, help us not to forget that we were once purged from our sins and that by the blood of Christ, and it's the only way to be justified, to be justified in his blood, the Apostle Paul writes to the Romans. Justified by his blood, we have been made right. We have been made acceptable in your sight. We have obtained the righteousness of Jesus Christ and not our own righteousness through the acceptance of his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. Oh Lord, we pray that this may penetrate the hearts of every one of us that are within hearing distance of your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that it may humble us that your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, descended to this lowly earth, condescended to men of low estate, and laid his life as a ransom for many that we could all be saved and redeemed. He who was rich became poor for our sakes. He who was God the Son and is God the Son became God in the flesh, became subject to every single temptation that we as humans experience, yet he was without sin, the perfect Lamb of God. 
O praise, O glory, O honor be unto thee as we, we sing in, from the extracts of the book of Revelation. Glory and honor, blessing be unto him that sits upon the throne. Father, we pray that you would hear our humble cry. That you would continue to be merciful and gracious to those that call up upon your name. We pray especially for those that have not made that total surrender of their lives, of their souls, and commended it into the hand of the righteous one. Father, we pray that they would see that their lives are purposeless, meaningless, and will be the most wretched of all men if they do not accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Help them think on eternity, Lord. The future, what it is a hold for them. For Christ, He is our hope. He is that blessed hope. God in Christ in us, and God in us, the hope of glory. Father, we pray that you would prick the consciences. Give them no rest, Lord. Give them no rest until they have found their rest in you. Help them to see that the mundane things of this world are just distractions and red herrings, are just sidebars to this life. Oh Lord, we are mindful of your words. He that loves his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life shall gain it. Lord, help us all to deny ourselves, to take up the cross of Christ and to follow thee. We're thankful, Lord, for the time that we can spend together to encourage, to provoke one another to love and good works. And as one voice and as one body, see how we could glorify you in the church, as your word tells us. Be with those that are sick. We are mindful of them. We have been reminded this morning. We pray for our dear brother Edwin, who went to hospital for treatment and for healing, but contracted COVID there. Only known to you why that would happen. But we pray that you would continue to be with him and give him recovery and healing. And give Sister Barbara also the patience and the wisdom to know how to deal with the medical staff in the hospital. And then you'd bring him home safely and soundly to his home again. There are many, Lord, that are among us that are sick and have been sick for a long time. Lord, we pray we don't understand but you have allowed it to happen for your own purposes and your own glory. 
So we pray for them all. Father, we pray for those that are shut in, for those that are lonely and isolated, for those that are imprisoned with the, their own infirmities, whether it be of the flesh or of the mind. And we are mindful of Sipa, who has been in hospital for a couple of weeks at least. We pray that you would be with her and give her healing and rest and peace in her own mind. We pray, O Lord, for those that are in distant countries. This world is becoming war-ravaged and war-torn. And, and innocent children are suffering. because of the evils of the hearts of men, because they will not obey your law, because they will not obey your will. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, we pray that the world may know that you are the true God, the one and only true God. And Lord, we know that your word tells us, the Lord himself said, that he will not return back to Israel. He would not come back again as the Messiah until they cry out and say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. The ones who crucified him, the ones who said, his blood be on our own heads in defiance of the one who came to his own and his own rejected him, received him not. Father, we pray that you'd be with dear brother Eric as he is returned from Romania, that you'd give him the words to speak, you'd give him the understanding and clarity of mind and, and word and, and every one of us the wisdom to receive it in meekness, mingled with faith, and that it may give us the grace and the strength to do your will, not only to be vain hearers, but doers of your word. For we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I've read a fairly lengthy passage this morning, but it captures the interaction of two very different men. And I'd like to, you to consider this morning carefully which one you're more like. Two very different men, Pilate and Jesus. This one man has the, was the Roman ruler of Judea, Pilate, Pontius Pilate. He's uh, attested to in the historical record, too. He's, there's been archaeological finds that reference his name. 
He was the Roman ruler in Judea for about 10 years, which is a pretty long time for that fractious province. And the interaction of this man that's very different from this other man, Jesus, who we know of through reading the whole gospel account, is so revealing. So revealing of the heart that is outside of Christ, and so revealing of the heart of Christ. Their interaction, the two of them, what they said to each other, how they reacted to the circumstance. So my friend outside of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> I'd like you to consider this morning if you are maybe like Pilate. You know, Pilate was in a situation that he did not want to be in. He, his seat of power was not actually in, in Jerusalem. That's not his regular residence. He, he lived closer to the sea in Caesarea Maritima or whatever it is. If you look in the historical records, that's where his seat of power was. That's where the, the Roman, um, whatever, uh, other buildings and stuff that they had built. But he came up for the big feasts and Passover was the biggest. He came up to Jerusalem to keep an eye on things because if something was going to happen in this province of his it was going to be at one of these big feasts when this the size of the city would swell I don't know how big um, uh, but just two, three, four fold it's regular size and if, if there was going to be a revolt if there was going to be trouble it was going to happen there and that's why he would come up and keep an eye on things in, in Jerusalem And so I think first off the bat he didn't really want to be here he wasn't looking forward to whatever trouble was going to happen. And on top of that, he gets dragged out of bed early. It says they came to him early in the morning here. Verse 28. It was early. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. This is, this is uh, Pilate's place of his headquarters, his, his praetorium. And it was early. Imagine he was aroused out of out of bed and dragged unwillingly, so to speak, by people that he had a very difficult relationship. These chief priests, this, this ruling class of the Sadducees that used each other, manipulated each other. And he's presented with this man, Jesus. My friend outside of Christ, is Jesus inconvenient for you? As you are presented with the truth of the gospel, the claims that Jesus makes about himself and that have a very real implication for you, is that inconvenient for you? It was certainly inconvenient for this man, Pilate. He would rather this problem just go away. I'm pretty sure... He was a shrewd guy. He knew who the th real threats were. He probably had Jesus checked out or seen, you know, he wasn't really an issue, and it's clear. He said, I, I find no fault in this man. If he was a real challenge to the Roman authority, Pilate would have had no uh, qualms with just doing away with him either there or at some point earlier. No, Jesus was inconvenient for him. 
I think so many of us, we can look at what Jesus says in his teachings, they're good, and, and, and the Christian religion is sound, and it's wonderful, but when it comes and it impinges on me, and on what I want to do, and where I want to go with my life, oh, then, then it becomes inconvenient. Jesus is okay at arm's length. He's okay doing his thing in the provinces. But when he comes here and stands before me, and now i got to make a decision. You know, Pilate, he was used to blood. He was used to dealing with things in a bloody way. There's other references where he said that the, the, the disciples came to Jesus and asked him about, what do you think about Pilate, how he mingled the blood of the Galileans with their sacrifice? What do you think about that? So Pilate had suppressed things bloodily before, and even the secular record, I think Josephus says, that he was reproved by Rome, by the emperor, for, for doing this. So that was probably part of the, the inconvenience is, is now, depending on what I do, what's going to happen? Am I going to be, my superior is going to give me trouble or grief? Pilate was inconvenient. Uh, Jesus was inconvenient for Pilate. The other thing that I find so interesting about these two men is the contrast in power. He was the most powerful man there. He was the representative of the might and the justice of Rome, the, the greatest empire the world had seen in its organization, its efficiency. He thought he had all the power, and he really, in this situation, didn't have any. It's clear. He was being manipulated. He was being backed into a corner. He couldn't do anything. The, the thing that he, he wanted to do, he did not have the power to do to free Jesus, came down to the final place where the chief priests played their, their trump card, their final, and they said, we have no king but Caesar. Basically, if you don't do this, you're going to be in big trouble with Caesar, your real master. My friend outside of Jesus Christ, you think you have the power, but you're powerless. You think you can make a decision for or against, that you can stand in judgment But if you do not accept Jesus and his power, the way that he displays his power, you're powerless. You're going to be backed into a place you do not want to be, into a corner where you cannot, uh, you're going to do the thing that you know is wrong and you can't help but doing it. The kind of power that Jesus has is different. It's not this external, exterior trappings. You know, Jesus pointed this up to him when, 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 when Pilate says, I have the power, I have, you know, I could crucify you, I could release you, and Jesus says, you, you really don't. Any power that you have as, a, as an authority of Rome, it's being given you from heaven, and you're going to be responsible, you'll answer to that alone, uh, before the ultimate power. Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Those that of their own volition they went and tried to get rid of Jesus. Pilate's not innocent here. We're going to see clearly. And, and, and my friend outside of Christ, no one escapes the implications of their decisions decision about Jesus Christ. No one simply says, well, I don't really want to deal with him now. 
I don't really want to accept the claims that he says he has on my life. I'll just bypass the situation. No. You will answer one day for the, the freedom, the, the choice that you have been given, the, the freedom to decide to stand with Jesus or against Jesus. I think the last thing, my friend, I, I'd like you to consider about Pilate and really what determined the situation, his response to it, was this thing about truth. Whether you love the truth or not is the ultimate decider, I think, is the, is the ultimate whether you will turn towards the light or you will turn away from it. And it's clear Pilate did not have a heart open to the truth. He asked this question here, what is truth? And, and the, the lion goes, what, what is truth, said jesting Pilate, but he did not stay for an answer. And I have to think that's, that's really what it comes down to. Jesus said, everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And I always had the impression, the thought that that meant, you know, there's, even if I didn't say this in my mind, well, you know, some people that just, they'll, they're of the truth and some people there are not. But I think it comes down to, are you for the truth? Are you against it? And that question is asked to you right now, here in this moment, in the present moment. Are you for it? Will you accept its implications? Will you accept what the truth says? Or will you turn from it? And that's the deciding. That's what determines what you do with Jesus. Do I accept the truth of what this man, Jesus, says? And if I accept that truth, I realize who he is? Or do I just ask the question and don't stay for an answer? Do I just stroke my chin and wonder philosophically what is truth? Or do I accept the implications of what it has for my life right here and now? What I have to decide, what I have to do. I think so often we get ourselves concerned with the why of things. We want to know the why. Why does this happen? Or why is this happening? Why is it not happening to me? Or why did God do this? And why did God not do that. When actually and practically, the bigger implication is the how. How should I respond? What should I do? And God will take care of the why. He'll satisfy. You know, we are not just walking brains with an intellect and a, and, a, and, a, and a mind, and that's the whole of us. We're so much more. We're a living heart, a human being, and the, the, even if we knew the why, that probably wouldn't satisfy us completely. It's the, the person of Jesus Christ, knowing him, who he is, and then being able to do the how and the what, to take the next step of whatever it is, to repent, to, to do what is right and good, that leads us into, into truth, that leads us to be for the truth or against it. As long as we stand at the barrier, unless you answer my questions, God, unless I know definitively all the whys and the, uh, the, 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 the answers to everything, then I won't move. I don't think we'll get anywhere with God.
It's the, the heart that says, I don't understand all the whys. I trust that you do, God. I'm just willing to obey. I'm willing to do what you, you say. I think that's how we deal with truth. Truth is experiential. It's, it has to be experienced. It doesn't have to just be understood. Truth is not a matter of just understanding. It has to be experienced. It has to be lived. As you do these things, you discover the truth of them. In contrast, there's this man, Jesus. We have Pilate and his, the inconvenience of the situation and the, and the powerlessness which he has and this rejection ultimately of truth. And then we have Jesus contrasted to that. And that's what I'd also like you to, to consider this morning hour. Brother and sister and friend, are you like Jesus? God forbid that you'd be like Pilate, but are you like Jesus? You know, Jesus... The situation, it was not an easy one. Scourging, humiliation, ultimate crucifixion. But he didn't turn away from it. It was the ultimate of horrible situations, and yet he did not shy away from it. He went straight forward, following, going towards the goal, the end goal he knew, which was to bring many sons and daughters to glory. So he went through the situation the inconvenient and the awkward situation. He embraced it, actually. He drank the cup. Brother and sister, do you embrace the, the, the circumstances that you are in, or are they just inconvenient and you'd rather be out of them? Because by saying that and by thinking it, by, by giving in to those temptations, you are effectively saying, I, I don't believe, God, that you are really in control. I don't believe that you really have the power. That these circumstances that are upon me, they're not really of your allowance. And even more than that, that you are not working your goodwill through all this. So however it leads and whatever it leads to, am I willing to walk as Jesus walked? Accepting peacefully? You know, this, this man, I'm sure his, his, his very silence infuriated Pilate. That he didn't answer all these sham charges that Pilate knew. They were just a bunch of trumped-up nonsense. And he didn't say anything about him. Because he knew this was the situation. This is what his father wanted for him. Do you and I have the peace to rest in that? Because that's, that's the real kind of power. The power that Pilate didn't have. In the situation he was caught in, you know, he could have... I'm sure everyone in every situation, this is the marvel and the miracle of... of, of, of this world that we've been created, in every situation there is genuine free will, and yet God has his superior knowledge, and he knows how everything will turn out, how Jesus would be delivered up, how the scriptures would be fulfilled, and yet Pilate, at this moment, he had genuine free will. He could have said, okay, you know what? I will accept this man, Jesus. I'm not going to simply be forced into doing what I know is not right. His wife had dreams and said, have nothing to do with this innocent man, this just man. I've had dreams this night from him. He had a choice. And that is the power that the Christian has given. Through the Holy Spirit, through the walking daily with, with God in the light of his word, is the power of that, that choice to say, thy will be done, not my will. That's the power that Jesus displayed.
at this moment and at every moment. Think of that kind of power. If, if for one moment he had let bitterness or hatred or, or whatever it was slip from his mouth as he was mistreated by these people, everything would have fallen apart. The perfect Lamb of God would have been perfect no longer. The salvation of all mankind would have fallen apart. And the power that he displayed, that is the power of Jesus Christ that's available to you and to me today. Not a power to sprinkle fairy dust on things and make problems go away. It's a power to say, thy will be done and to have absolute peace in the calm, in the storm. I think that's why Jesus was such a different man as he stood before Pilate. There was, so, there was something so different about him. I encourage you, if you have a chance, look it up. I think it's, you can find it on the internet. There's a fictional account written in the 1950s, I think, by a man named Frederick Speakman. And he writes a fictional account titled, What Pilate Said One Midnight. And I was reading through that recently. It's fascinating. Just a it's, it's the musings of Pilate maybe 20 years later or however many years later and his reflections. And it's very thought-provoking to think what this, this, this fleeting interaction between these two men left, I'm sure it left a lasting impression on this Pilate. Because Jesus leaves a lasting impression on everyone, whether you reject him or accept him. That's, that mark that he leaves on you is the... the Defining is, is what separates between heaven and hell, between ultimate good and ultimate evil. The impression that he leaves on you. And this last thing, just as Pilate rejected the truth, Jesus Christ says, To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. And brother and sister, you're called to the same thing, to bear witness of it, the same path of the truth, the ultimate truth of Jesus Christ that touches everything else. God will bring those circumstances to you just as he brought them to his only begotten perfect son to bear witness of the truth. Every moment, every way. How you deal with your friends, your neighbors, how you do your work, how do you bear wrong, how you speak the truth of the gospel when the opportunity presents itself, when you're moved to bear witness of the truth. These two men, Pilate and Jesus, do not be like Pilate. You know, Pilate thought, I'm having nothing more to do with this, and he symbolically washed his hands in the presence of the people, the Gospel of Luke says. I'm innocent. Was he innocent? Even just from a secular or, or a judicial standpoint? No. He had allowed an innocent man to be condemned to death, which is probably the ultimate travesty of a justice system, to kill someone who's completely innocent. So no, he was not innocent of the blood of this man. And the same way, my friend, outside of Jesus Christ, you cannot just wash your hands of Jesus and say, that's it, I'm, I'm, I have, I'm not going to deal with him. 
that's just the claims of this religion, just the, this one perspective on the world, and there are a lot of other perspectives, I'll, I'll explore those, and, and they're all equally valid. No, this man makes some pretty singular claims that are radically different than anyone and anything else you can experience in this world. You cannot wash your hands of this man. And then think about Jesus Christ in contrast to that in his blood, which washes away the sins of the world. Which one do you want to be like? Do you want to affect those around you for the good, for the ultimate good? To have your lifeblood, your life, the things that you do, why you do them, the way you do them, be effective to the saving of others? To have your lifeblood poured out too? That's the choice that you have between these two very different men, Pilate and Jesus. And as we know, Jesus is the Son of God, God the Son. And he wants all of us to, to join with him. I didn't read this last passage here, but if you go on, the, the next passage in, in chapter 19, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. This disciple, unnamed here, we know, is the writer of this gospel, John. He kind of makes it clear because he drops clues throughout the gospel and then at the end he, he clarifies that. And even at this moment of greatest distress and horror as this beloved disciple watched his, his Lord and his Master dying cruelly, horribly, he could still experience the love of this singular man, Jesus, as he brought him into his family. He said, take care of my mother when I'm gone. That's the kind of man that we serve. That's the kind of love we can experience. Or we can think that we have all the trappings and all the power of this world, the pilots of this world, sitting in our judgment halls, and in the end be miserable and empty and alone. May God bless this word. For the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the um, wonderful message you've given to us today. Lord, we've, we've been challenged today to reflect, are we more like Pilate or are we more like Jesus? Are we more like Pilate, Lord, in the sense when, when you approach our lives, when, you, when it seems inconvenient for us, do we, do we accept you or do we, do we get worried from our circumstances, the people around us, or are we, are we worried about judgment, Heavenly Father? And so, Lord, we were challenged today to, 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 to not look to Pilate, but to look to Jesus, to, to see the, the wonderful works that he's done um, and to use that as an example in our lives. Heavenly Father, we know, we know so much about you. We, don't, we know very little about you, Lord. We don't perhaps read enough of the word, but we do know, we do believe, Heavenly Father, that you are capable of all things, that you are the one who created the heavens and the earth. Um, and through you, Lord, all things are are made known, and yet, Heavenly Father, we still um, perhaps cower at times because we aren't 
in alignment with your will. We fear perhaps the, the path that you've set before us. And yet, Lord, we pray that we would look to Jesus um, as our example, knowing that when he was in Gethsemane, that he had asked for the cup to be passed from him. And yet, Lord, he, he still submitted to your will. He said that, it would your, that your will would be, would be done. And we see, Lord, because of, because of Jesus' um, tremendous sacrifice, we're all here today that we could praise your name. We know that the Lord Jesus, knowing the, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So, Heavenly Father, we pray that we would have this same like mind as Jesus to realize um, when we go through difficulties, when we go through trials in our lives, we would see at the end of the tunnel, Lord, that we would see the joy that is set before us, that we would see the joy of Jesus Christ um, and our Heavenly Father receiving us um, at, the, at the gates of heaven, Heavenly Father. So we just pray that you would be able to um, set our minds straight, that we would focus on Jesus Christ, to not, to not deny you, to not, be, um, to not be ashamed, Heavenly Father. And so, Lord, we do want to repent and apologize for when we do um, act like Pilate, when we are afraid of people, when we are afraid of circumstances, and when we don't trust in you. So we just pray for this, Heavenly Father, for your um, forgiveness and for your, um, that you would empower us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for the day you've given to us. We want to be mindful of those um, who aren't here today in church for various reasons, Lord, um, in sickness. Um, we're mindful of our brother Edwin, Lord. Um, we know he, he fell, and then he caught COVID, Lord, in the hospital. And as was mentioned in the previous prayer, Lord, we don't know why these things happen, but we, we trust you, Lord, um, that we could um, submit to you. So, Heavenly Father, we just pray for our brother Edwin, that you would take care of him, that you would bring healing to him. Um, and, and we pray for the many others in our church, Lord, who are sick as well, who, who need healing. Because, Lord, at the end of the day, we can't turn to anyone um, else but to you. Lord, who of us has any power of our own to, to do anything? We can't add um, a cubit to our, to our stature, Lord. We can't um, measure the hairs on our head. But, Lord, you know all these things, and we know you, you have so many thoughts of us, Lord, more than grains of um, sand on the beach, Lord. You, you know us intimately inside and out. So help us never to, perhaps when our prayers aren't being answered, perhaps when things aren't falling in line in our lives, Lord, that we wouldn't think that, you know, prayer is no longer working or that we have to do something of our, of our own strength. Because, Lord, again, we can't do anything. So, and so, Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would that you would humble us, that we would recognize our need for you, our dependence on you. Lord, that we need you more than life itself because you sustain everything. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you for all you've given to us. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Indeed, we need to hear more messages on the crucifixion and the sacrifice that Christ made for us. When we consider all our life's ills and woes compared to what he went through for us, uh, it is but a, a shadow. And many things that came to my mind as Brother Eric was preaching was one theme was the washing of the hands of Pilate. Um, as mentioned, Pilate had a a place on the coast in Caesarea where he lived. And he was a quite 
if you will, a ruthless man, but yet many say he was also very much a coward. And he tried to threaten them, and many times he did, and we heard the, the, the blood that he mingled with the sacrifices of the Jews. But there was a time when the Jews did not like the presence of all the icons and the idols that came along with the Roman army into Jerusalem and they protested against him and he threatened to kill them if they continued with this. Well, they followed him to Caesarea and he threatened to kill them if they didn't stop. And the Jews back then just bared their necks and said, go ahead and do it. We will not bow down to your idols. And he refrained because he knew what was going to happen in Rome if something like that happened again. The point is, Pilate's washing of the hands doesn't, does not in any way excuse him from what happened to Jesus Christ. Pilate may have said, I have nothing to do with him. I'm innocent of the blood of this man who was just, according to his wife and according to what we know. And it may send a signal, I'm not against him, therefore I'm innocent. But Jesus said, maybe in prophecy of what was going to happen, he said, he that is not for me is against me. And we may have the same attitude today. I'm not against Jesus. He did a lot of good things. I'm not against him. He was a moral man. He said a lot of good things. I'm not against him. And God will put that to my Record that I was not against Jesus. But Jesus said, if you're not against me, you're not for me. And if we examine that a bit closer, if Jesus offers to us the gift of salvation and commands all men everywhere to repent through the Apostle Paul, and we reject that, we reject Jesus, we are against Jesus. We reject him. That's being against him. And our good works and our what we think is morally acceptable is not right before God. Jesus was a just man. Pilate was an unjust man. And what does just mean and what does unjust mean? It means, just means to be acceptably morally Acceptable morally, to be in the truth, to be righteous. The same word is used interchangeably. Just and righteousness, just and righteous are interchangeably used in the New Testament. The same word. And the only way for us to become just before God, to be acceptable before God, is to believe in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and to accept that as the remission for our sins. Then we are just. Then we have been made righteous before God. I pray, my dear friend, outside of Jesus Christ, think about these things. If you have been complacent in the past, thinking you're, you're doing okay, you're doing okay. Okay is not good enough. It's being for Christ. It's accepting Christ. Dying to self and following him, taking up your cross. 
May the Lord impress that on our hearts this morning as we give him the thanks and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.